You are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical church located outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. And in order to love our neighbors during the COVID-19 pandemic, we are currently not gathering in person, but you can join us live online on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. We have a live stream every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening. So I'll open your Bibles. Um, one funny thing that happened in our house last week, and it turned out to be um, not such a not such a big deal. Um, praise God. But I was over here at, at church working, and I got a phone call from Erin, and she said, um, "Is is somebody working on something over here?" And I was like, "No, you know, no, I'm afraid not." And she said, "Well, our water stopped." <laughs> um, and, and sure enough, you know, the water had, we've got a well in the parsonage that we share with the church. And so I tested the, the faucet here at church and, and nothing came out of the faucet. And that's one of those experiences, if you've never had it before, where you're like, something that has always worked as if by magic, that's always been ready for you whenever you need it, all of a sudden it, it's not. And it's, it's kind of scary, but fortunately for me, you know, our, our chair of properties here at Bethel, Steve Johnson, uh, lives right next door. And unfortunately for him, I have his cell phone number. And so when something like that happens, I, I call him up and, and say, hey, Steve, the, the water's not working. And, and he came and, and took a look. And, you know, we were trying to figure out, he called the well people and they're like, well, you know, it's probably this, we'll probably have to do all this, all this crazy stuff to fix it. And we're not going to be able to do it for another day. And, and Steve, you know, cares about us and is like, are you guys gonna be okay? You know, do you have bottled water and, uh, you know, working to solve this problem. And I'm saying, yeah, you know, we're, we're good. You know, we're okay. We've got some bottled water and I'm thinking in my head, it's like, okay, so so probably not showering anymore. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. The toilets, of course, uh, require water for for flushing. And and long story short, um, you know, praise God again for the the gifts of people uh, using uh, using their gifts here at Bethel. Steve was actually able to fix it uh, before we had to that next day. It only was out for a couple of hours. Um, but I noticed in that moment just how much faith I put in that well always working. You know, um, we're in the middle of, of this disruption. And still, even though we're all learning that, that the stuff we, we base our lives on maybe aren't quite as solid as we once thought they were, uh, I still never imagined our well would stop working. And as I worked through what my life would be like, you know, oh, a day is kind of a pain to not have water. But what if you know, the well people couldn't come for a week. Um, and, and it just hit me. It's like, you know, man, do I trust that thing to always work? Man, do I trust that tap when I, when I push the water open, that water is for sure going to come out every single time. Um, and, and it just reminded me of what we're all, we're all going through. We're in the middle of just the biggest disruption, um, that we may ever experience together. Um, we have these moments throughout our lives and many of you have had them on a personal level, right? You know, you lose your job or you get a illness that's unexpected and you, you don't know how to move forward from, or maybe there's some difficulty or trauma or loss in your, in your family or with somebody, you know, you know, we all experience it in that way. Um, and it, you know, how it disrupts everything, how all of a sudden, you know, if you're sick, you can't go to work or if you lose your job, you know, you're trying to figure out what's next for your life, but we're all doing that right now. 
You know, we're all in the middle. Instead of just you or I going through a disruption, other people being able to come around us, our whole world is in the middle of this earth-shattering uh, disruption. And facts of life, <clears throat> things that we always counted on, that we never thought to question, you know, like the ability to visit a loved one in a hospital or to just get in your car and go do whatever you felt like that day, things that we've relied on for security and encouragement and health, all of a sudden are, are like frozen in place. And I'm realizing, and, and I think we're all realizing just how fragile, <clears throat> just how fragile those things are. Just how fragile our, our lives are. Things that we really thought we could count on. Even our most solid things aren't as solid as it seems. It's like we're noticing that our, our houses have been built out of, out of cotton candy. And, and maybe at first, you know, when things started to shut down, it felt like a, you know, a, a relief for some people, or it was like something new and it didn't seem like that big of a deal, but the, the costs are starting to pile up and, you know, we're all experiencing it, straining our, our mental health. And if you're struggling with uh, mental health issues, um, please uh, reach out to us, reach out to a friend. Um, someone wrote in our cross this last week uh, as we were praying that we'd be praying for people with mental health and that you could call uh, 1-800-273-TALK is the suicide prevention line. Uh, but it's really for anyone that's in the middle of a mental health crisis. If that's you, uh, I want to pray for you, but I also want to offer that, that number to you as well. 1-800-273-TALK. Um, if you know somebody that needs help, that's a great number for them too. And, and, you know, we're, we're noticing that this is just taking a toll on all of us, on all of our health, on all of our relationships, on our physical and mental health. And we're seeing it everywhere. I, I see it in myself. I see it in my house, um, that I am closer, kind of closer to the edge. Sometimes I can become really stubborn and, and sometimes even harsh and frustrated and, and often foster saying, dad, dad, it's okay. Or like, why are you yelling? And, and I'm, I swear I'm not yelling, but you know, he'll drop something real, like foster. Oh no. Okay. It's fine. You know? Um, but I think it's that, that thing is just weighing on us that the sudden realization that the things that we counted on, the things that we put our trust and hope in are just not that solid. And we're not the only ones here, you and I in the church whose trust is shaken. Uh, we are all uh, finding everything shaken and we're looking for a hope. I know I am a hope that's deeper than, okay, maybe someday we'll get back to normal or a hope that's deeper than a, a medicine or a miracle cure or a hope that's deeper than a, a politician's ideas or a hope that's even deeper than our job, our income. I think we're looking for a hope. I'm looking for a hope that's deeper than uh, an economic system because we're noticing right now that all of those things are not nearly as solid as we once thought they were. And so the question that we're all wrestling with here as a church is, is how can we be people of hope in hopeless situations? How do we carry hope to others or even for ourselves when we don't know what's going to happen? Well, our scripture um, that we're looking at today was, amen. Good morning, Brooke. Welcome. Our, our scripture that we're looking for today is, is all about people that um, found a solid hope in a time that's far more difficult even than, than this time. Our scripture was written in a time where signs of hope, signs of things getting better, uh, were few and far between. 
uh, for people in, in the Roman world, who, who Romans was, was written to, um, they were living in a world where tyranny and poverty and illness and persecution were normal. Uh, in Jesus' day, it was normal to go through things far worse than us. In fact, for most of human history, most of the world, even before this pandemic, and most of the world, life has not been stable. It's been painful, instable, tragic, and short. And as I turned to scripture this week, as I looked at Romans this week, I found comfort, and I hope you find comfort in this too, that uh, when we turn to, to this book, it's not written by people who don't understand what it's like to go through things. Um, when we turn to scripture, even in the middle of everything we're facing right now, we, we, we read words that are inspired by God's Holy Spirit and words that are written by people who know tragedy, who know hurt, who know uncertainty and fear. And, and these words were not said easily. These words in scripture were not said from easy chairs and full stomachs and comfortable lives, but instead said by people who struggled with real stuff. And so the question that Romans helps us with today uh, is, you know, how does Paul have hope? How does he share hope? How did the early church share hope when they faced pain and tragedy? Um, even though for them, there aren't good old days they can look back to. And, and in our text, as we read it, Paul will use a surprising image. Uh, the image of labor pains uh, to explain how he understands the pain, uncertainty, and tragedy in the world. And so, so pay attention uh, to what's said here. Uh, and you might notice that Paul doesn't run from, from pain and hardship. Paul doesn't pretend everything's great. He doesn't hide from it. He doesn't numb it. He doesn't avoid it or explain it away. He moves towards pain as if pain is not a challenge to what he believes about God, but proof of it. So Romans 8, 18 through, through 30, uh, let's, let's take a look. This is Paul writing to his church in, in Rome. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He's just uh, spent time talking about what, what he's been going through. He says, for the creation, the world, waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation, the world, was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope, uh, creation is frustrated. Creation is difficult. Things are not going well all the time. And the reason is because of hope. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Uh, this may sound, uh, sound complicated. He's saying things are hard now because the hope is that God will bring something better and new out of that. It continues. We know that the whole creation, the whole world, the animals and the earth itself and the people in it has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up until the present time. The world is groaning in pains of childbirth. Not only so, but we ourselves, he's saying us as the church, as Christians, who have the first fruit of the Spirit, whose God's Spirit is working in, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Saying we are hurting 
but the pains we're experiencing are the groaning of labor pains. He says, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. He's saying we are, our bodies, ourselves, our lives, our world is anticipating something better. And hope is about believing something else is coming, something we don't already have. He says in the same way, the spirit, he talks about prayer, helps us in our weaknesses. He says, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. He's saying God's Holy Spirit groans with us as we experience these labor pains, as our creation experiences these labor pains. He says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the word or with the will of God. And we know that in all things, in all of these labor pains, God works for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Uh, so I don't know if you, if, if you caught that, right? Paul um, refuses, he refuses to ignore the pain of the world. He refuses to pretend that that pain's not real. Um, if you're somebody that's ever um, experienced labor pains, I, I have no idea what that's like. I just want to make that clear before I, I hear about it later. If you've seen anybody experiencing labor pains, uh, it's, it's painful. You know it is. You can't help you hear the groans. And Paul hears the groans of the world. He makes his own groans and he refuses to pretend that, that it's not so bad, that it doesn't hurt so much. He refuses to ignore it. He refuses to grit his teeth and say, well, it's okay. Uh, I'm actually really happy right now. No, like when hard stuff happens, he says, this hurts. And we pray in the spirit with wordless groans. We say, God, this, this hurts. We refuse to ignore it. Instead, Paul points at the pain. He doesn't say, oh, oh, they're fine. Oh, they're fine. No, he points at it and he reframes it. He says, yes, the world is full of pain. Yes, things are completely upside down and uncertain. We're all hurting. My life and your life uh, has pain in it. And you would be a fool to ignore it, Paul says. But, but Paul says, but wait, let me tell you what kind of pain you're experiencing. Because it's not uh, the pain of, of death. It's not the pain of, of the end of life. It's not pain that should be covered over and smoothed over for an easy departure. He says, no, instead, it's uh, not the pain of a world crashing and burning. According to Paul, it's not the pain of a sink sinking ship. It's the groaning pain of childbirth. It's productive pain. Pain that is the precursor to new life. Pain that is necessary in bringing new life into the world instead of death. So what Paul says, if you walk away from the pain of human life, if you ignore the groans of creation, you might miss the miracle of birth. Because true hope, true hope isn't about pretending everything's great. True hope isn't about uh, hoping for something that's going to come and just make everything all right next week or, or next month. No, true hope is about noticing the pain and groaning 
inwardly in our weaknesses, not knowing how to pay, pray and crying out because we can only find hope when we acknowledge our pain in prayer because hope is where pain and prayer meet. When we anticipate the unseen, the world is hurting. You are hurting. I am hurting because new life is on the way. And people of hope are not afraid of pain. We're not ignorers of pain and we don't walk away from pain. People of hope pray through pain and in pain and with other people who are in pain because we know that God is bringing new life. We know that if we wait long enough through our pain and through the pain of others, we'll see birth on the other side. Hope is not saying nice words to distract from the groaning of creation. Hope is not hospice care for life on earth. It's not an attempt to make the world comfortable as it dies. No, hope is about the life that's coming because people of hope pray through pain, in pain, and with others in pain. We have to feel it and cry out knowing that something good comes at the end of labor. Sometimes we think the tragedy in our lives and sometimes we think the tragedy in the lives of others are a threat to God. We think the pain that we experience and the pain that others experience are some kind of threat to who God is. So what we do sometimes in the church, and it, and it happens to me, uh, we have this desire to avoid the pain because we think, oh, it's, it's bad. Um, it's bad to look at that pain. I, I don't want to think about what I'm going through. Um, you know, we, we resist it um, and, and we avoid it. And, and when tragedy and pain comes in our lives, we see others going through it, we avoid them too. And when we pray, often it's for quick resolution or an, or an easing of pain. But, but what if instead of running away from pain, we prayed through it with others? Because Paul reminds us that the groanings of our lives are labor pains. And people of hope pray through it and in it and with those in it. Because like, like John Johnson said right there in the comments, a new thing is coming. And it takes some pain to get there, but we can trust God. The groaning is real and right. And as people of hope, we refuse to pretend, excuse, or ignore, avoid, or numb ourselves to pain. Instead, we groan under it with creation and God's Holy Spirit. Um, so I want to be practical. As we are people of hope, um, we have to start with prayer. We have to start acknowledging in prayer the reality of the world, not pretending everything is great, not pretending everything is perfect, ignore our, but acknowledging the pain uh, with, with others. Oh, oh, it's too bad. Missed my slide. Um, <clears throat> but there's, there's just a few things we can do. Um, we start by not ignoring our pain anymore and start praying it. Write down your hurts, the hurts of others, and bring them to God in prayer. Don't pretend they're great. Write them down. See, this is terrible. This is a tragedy. Uh, then we stop running from hurting people and start praying for them. One of the things that maybe God is calling you to do right now is to talk to somebody who you know is having a hard time. Maybe it's somebody that doesn't have hope. Maybe it's somebody who needs hope. Maybe it's somebody who doesn't know Christ. And God is putting them on your heart right now that doesn't have any hope. 
or maybe that's looking for a, a miracle fix. And you got to call them and sit with them and listen to the pain they're going through and, and ask them, you know, um, you know, what's going on? How can I pray for you? Don't explain it away. Don't say, oh, don't worry. It's okay. You'll feel better soon. You'll, you know, buck up or whatever. No, say, this is terrible. I want to pray with you about this and follow up with them. Listen and care. Let your heart break for them. Another thing you can do um, is um, something that I practice that we do here at Bethel um, every year is we, we write down the names of people that we're going to commit to praying for throughout the next year, that we're going to commit to sharing hope with throughout the next year. So if maybe there's somebody in your life that's hurting, maybe it's somebody who doesn't know Christ, um, whoever it is, I want you to, to prayerfully write down the names of a few people and commit to praying for them every day, to praying that they'll find hope. Um, and, and finally, um, uh, one more practice we can do together to live like this, to pray uh, through pain and with others is to start our day um, praying for somebody. Whether it's those five people, a few people on your list that God has put on your heart. Whether it's asking God, okay, God, how can I be a hope person today? Um, but, but begin your day praying for chances to share that hope. Um, because we don't groan. We don't just groan. We don't uh, just groan because death is wrong but because we know that a resurrected world is on the way. We don't just pray because things are hard, but because we know hope is coming, that love does win in the end. The hope we have isn't a, a maybe somebody will figure out a cure to the coronavirus and everything's going to be okay kind of hope. I, I mean, I hope that happens too. Um, but the hope that we have isn't that everything will be okay um, tomorrow or through our own ingenuity and strength and economic system. It's not in a miracle drug. Our hope is not in positive thinking. Our hope is not a we'll go back to normal kind of hope. Our hope is a someday hope, a right longing for something that exists. What God will do, a new resurrected world. Instead, our hope is in Jesus, who was born into our painful world of burden, who took death and sin on his shoulders and suffered and died on our behalf on a cross. Our hope is in the one who died and three days later defeated death and rose again in the promise that he'll finish the job in us and in our world. And so if we're going to be people of hope, we have to start by making sure uh, that before we're trying to share hope, we have hope ourselves. Um, before we start worrying about others' pain and, and giving hope to other people, um, we have to remember that we can't give somebody something that we don't have. You can't lead somebody somewhere they don't want to go. And so if you've never stopped running from your pain and your fear, if you've never uh, stopped trying to figure out your issues on your own, if you've never stopped trying to pretend that everything's great, I want to invite you today to stop running and start praying. To stop running, to feel the weight of your own sin, to feel the weight of your own pain, to quit telling yourself it's no big deal and embrace the hope that even your hurt can lead to new life in Christ. Jesus offers us healing and forgiveness, but most of all, a hope and a future. He promises us that he won't waste these labor pains, but instead he groans with us as he does something new in our lives and in our world.
And he promises us that for those who trust him, these hard times are birth pains of a new, healed, and renewed world. If we accept his sacrifice, we're promised a place in that world. We can't offer hope, church, if we don't have any. So I want to give us all a chance to pray together in the middle of our pain and receive hope today. Uh, to, To receive Christ, to admit our pain, our sin, and our weakness, to ask God to save us, and to be made new. We acknowledge our sin. We ask God for new life because of what Jesus did for us. And we ask God for the Holy Spirit to change us, starting with our hearts and flowing out into our actions. So, so would, you pray, uh, would you pray with me? Father God, the pain and groaning of our world and in my life are real. Lord, I don't have it figured out. As much as I hide from my pain, I can't get past it. As much as I try, I can't stop sinning and hurting myself and others with my actions and words. Lord, instead, I ignore, numb, or run from my pain and the pain of others. Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I don't have it figured out. I know it's not right. So for the sake of your son who suffered and died on my behalf and rose for me, forgive me, Father. Make me new. And promise me the hope of the resurrection. Promise me the hope that this pain in this life needs leads to resurrection, new life, and new birth. In your name, amen. We all have the opportunity to take that hope that God has for us. But we have to be willing to accept it. And if you prayed that prayer with me today, if you prayed with me today, maybe for the first time, I, I want to talk to you. If you finally started admitting your, your sin and your pain and your weakness and, and trusted God to take those things on your behalf and be made new, I want to talk to you. So get in touch with me, send a message to the church, join us for coffee following the service, stick around or whatever so I can, I can pray with you because God is up to something. The pain of your life are birth pains and you just experience new birth. So I, I want to encourage you uh, to reach out to me if, if that's you. Uh, but, but for all of us, remember, just like uh, John Johnson said down there, a new thing is coming. May we trust in God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find out more about us and join our live streams at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great week.